0: Welcome to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We do appreciate you tuning in again today as we look into the Word of God on the program and trust that you're getting a blessing out of these Bible lessons that we do every week on the Searching the Scriptures radio program. I'm Pastor Travis Saltop of Bluegrass Pike Baptist Church, and it is a privilege to be on the radio with you today and to have an open Bible in front of me. This week, let's turn to Romans chapter 1, and please keep your Bible handy as we're going to look at several scriptures Romans chapter 1, and we'll begin reading here in verse 18. Now, what we're going to discuss this week is a question about the fairness and justice of God. It was several years ago uh, that there was a man that visited our church. I knew him from, uh, he worked at a local business here in Danville, and he came at the invitation of a person. And he was sitting in the back pew as I opened up my message. In the first three or four minutes, I had spoken of Jesus Christ being the only way to heaven. I quoted John 14, 6, which says, Jesus Christ saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And after I had quoted that, uh, he leaned over and said something to his friend, and he got up and he left the church. And uh, that's not uncommon for men to grapple with the truth. and those, The truth is very narrow, and it's very difficult for a politically corrected, neutered society like America that has embraced paganism and embraced sin uh, the way it has, it's very difficult for people uh, to not uh, to have it black and white. And the Bible is very plain and black and white in many of its statements. And therefore, they like kind of like that gray area, that gray mush, where everybody can have their own opinion and everybody's right. But God does not grade on a curve like that. And so these dogmatic absolute facts and truth are very difficult for the modern mind uh, to swallow and to handle and to digest. And so it was a few weeks after this incident that I happened to make a phone call to this particular place of business, and that man answered the phone. And when he recognized who I was, he said, Preacher, he said, Do you really believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? And I responded by saying, Yes, I believe without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, without any reservation in my heart, I believe what the Bible says, that there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, and neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And he said, so Jesus is the only way. I said, that's right. Well, his next uh, question was not really a legitimate question that he desired an answer to. But this question is asked with the desire to build a case against God. Because fallen man, and man is fallen... The Bible says, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And ever since Adam fell in the garden in Genesis chapter three, man has had a controversy with his creator. He is alienated and in his, in man's heart, in his depraved heart, he knows even in the deepest, darkest recesses of his heart that he's going to have to face off with his creator if the Bible is true. And he knows that after death, then judgment. And so what he wants to do is he wants to find fault with God or be able to find a character flaw in God so that he can throw the whole idea about faith in God out the window. And so this man set me up for this question, and you have heard it many times, and maybe you've even thought this question in your mind. He said, okay, preacher, if Jesus is the only way to heaven, he says, then do people who've never heard about him go to hell? And, of course, the answer that I gave him, he was expecting, and he pounced upon it, Because I said, yes, men, even men who've never heard of Jesus Christ will be condemned in the day of judgment. And of course, he leaped on that and said, well, how unfair is that? I wouldn't serve a God that was that uh, narrow minded. I wouldn't serve a God that was that unjust. But you see, he hadn't thought that thing through. And maybe even this morning some of you have heard what I just said, and you said, well, yeah, preacher, that doesn't that doesn't sound right. And maybe in your heart you've never told your preacher and you've never told anybody, but you've wondered in your mind, oh, how fair is that? What about the heathen who have never heard? Where do they go when they die? Well, let's take a look at that and find out just exactly today from the Bible. Let's find out what the heathen actually know. And when you find out what the heathen know, you'll have no problem with any statement I've just made here in the first five minutes of this broadcast. And let me just begin by saying this. God is just, God is holy, and God is a righteous judge. Abraham said in Genesis chapter 18 over there, he says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And certainly he will. So let's just ex- let's see exactly what it is that the heathen are aware of, and let's see if God has enough information and evidence against them to condemn them in the day of judgment. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And of course, if God is holy, and He is, that's true that He must punish sin and ungodliness. He has to. If He's a good judge, He will always punish sin. People who think that God is so much love that He'll never punish sin... Do have never studied the Bible and have never been introduced to the God of the Bible. Understand that uh, you say, well, preacher, you're all the time preaching about the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. Yes, but somebody had to die in order to purchase that forgiveness and that pardon. Jesus Christ had to suffer under the wrath of God in order to pay for ungodliness and for unrighteousness. The scripture says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Did you get that? The heathen can see some things clearly. What can they see that's clear? Well, the Bible says they can see some invisible things of God. How do they see invisible things? According to verse 20, it's from the creation of the world. These things are clearly seen. And it says, Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, underline it, so that they are without excuse. They, in verse 20, that are without excuse is a reference to mankind. The first thing you need to mark down in God's dealing with men is that there is no one who is not aware that God is there. The heathen in the darkest, remotest jungles of Papua New Guinea, the uh, people in the outback of Australia, Uh, the tribes in Africa, the people in Brazil, the people in New York City, the heathen all over the world, know that there is a God. In fact, the heathen are a great deal smarter than many of our professors that are being paid a salary and teaching in our, quote, uh, institutions of higher learning, many times education stands in the way of the truth. Now, let it be said right here. Do not go out and say, "Well, that preacher down there at Bluegrass Pike Baptist Church thinks that you're wicked if you go to college, and he doesn't think that education's worth anything. No, I didn't say that. That's what you said. That's what you heard with what I just said. What I do know is this: The Bible says that there are people who, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And I'm telling you that education has its rightful place. But brother, you better be sure that that education is always in subjection to the truth of the word of God. And the moment that you think your intellectualism and your education and that little piece of paper that you have hanging on the wall makes you smarter than God is the day that you become, as they say down south, crippled too high for crutches. Some of the biggest Nincompoops I've ever talked to when it comes to uh, theology and the Bible are people who have sat in classrooms for years. And because of all of the rhetoric that's spewed in these institutions of higher learning, they actually think it's smart to believe in evolution and reject the idea of God. But the heathen aren't that ignorant. The heathen know by creation that there is a God. Now let me break this down. <clears throat> for instance, if you've ever seen an oak chest of drawers or maybe an oak table that was carved real nice. You're in an old antique shop somewhere and you see a nice piece of furniture. Or, for instance, I have an old vintage Martin guitar, and I like to look that thing over and see how it was put together and how they shaved and carved the bracing and and how the fretboard was put together and just all these different things, the craftsmanship and the workmanship that went into it. Do you know what I know? I don't know the name of the man that that made specifically made and had his hands on that old 1940 Martin D-18 that I own. I don't know his name or where he lived, but I know that there was a maker of that guitar, and I know that there was a creator and someone whose craftsmanship and workmanship uh, went into that piece of equipment. And that's the same way it is with old antique furniture or whatever it is that you may look at. Listen, the fact that something has been created and works and is designed for a certain purpose means that there was a designer, there was a craftsman, there was someone who put it together. And listen, when you look around and you see the sun and the moon and the stars and you observe the, the seasons as they come and go, listen, you've got springtime. You've got the glorious, beautiful, bright, green, full bloom, healthy days of summer. And then fall reminds us of old age and how things begin to wither and change colors and things begin to change and the breeze gets cooler. And by the middle of winter, everything has died. And spring rolls around and reminds us of resurrection. And on and on this goes. And you can look around and see the beauty of nature. And it's not Mother Nature. It's the Creator God that did all of this. This the Bible tells us in Psalm 19 verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. You can't look up into the sky and not see the handiwork of God. Keep reading with me. Psalm nineteen, verse two. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Uh, when they say when the Bible says there in Psalm nineteen three, where their voice is not heard, what's what's their voice? Well, it's the voice of creation, it's the voice of time. Listen, the heathen look around and they recognize that there was someone who designed and created the world that we live in. You can't look at the human eyeball and think that that just happened. Somebody says, well, preacher, I I believe that the world came not from that silly account in Genesis 1, but I believe that after much study and scientific discoveries, we have determined and ascertained that the world came into being from the Big Bang. There was a large explosion out of nothing, and now we have what we have. Some scientist they said, was talking to an old farmer one time and tried to pull that uh, act with him. That old farmer looked at him and kind of squinted up his eyes and he said, well, you know, Mr. Scientist, he goes, you know a lot more than I do. But he said, when I look up and see the moon and I see the sun during the day, he says, if this came from a big explosion, he said, that's the first time that round things came out of an explosion. You might want to write that one in the fly leaf of your Bible, out of the mouths of babes. And so what I'm saying is, is the heathen have a knowledge of God. They know he's there. Now, I didn't say they knew his name, and I didn't say that they knew the way to get to him necessarily, but they have a knowledge of God. They can clearly see the invisible by the things that are made. So the scripture says they are without excuse. But that's not all. That's not all. Turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 2 and begin reading with me in verse 12. I'm in Romans chapter 2. I want you to begin reading in verse 12. The Bible says... For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Now you understand that the law in the Bible is a reference to the writings of Moses. Now we don't have time to get into all the details of this subject today, but suffice it to say this. One nation in particular was given the written law of God. That written law was written by God Almighty through the pen of Moses, Some 3,500 years ago, Moses was given the law of God and he gave it to one nation and one people. And that the details of that law was given to the nation of Israel. But yet, look, read with me in verse 14 of Romans chapter 2 and understand this, this is important. Romans chapter 2 verse 14, the Bible goes on to say, when the Gentiles which have not the law, because remember, uh, you know what a Gentile is, don't you? You students of the Bible need to know that. You preachers need to know that. Israel was, a, was the 12 tribes of Israel. That makes up the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. But anybody else that was not part of the Hebrew race, the nation of Israel, is considered a Gentile in the Bible. That's the, uh, that's the Asiatic people, the Shemites. That's the uh, European people, the Japhethites. And that's the uh, African people, the Hamites. And so all of that classification of mankind falls under the heading of Gentiles. There was one chosen nation of the Old Testament, and that was Israel. They were given the law by Moses in detail. It was written down. The Ten Commandments was how they began. And then later in the books of Leviticus and Numbers, they added, I believe it comes up to 613 precepts and commandments in the law of Moses that was given to that one nation, the nation of Israel. So the Gentiles have not the law. They were not given the law. So it says, when the Gentiles, which have not the law, watch it, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. And you know something, if you went to the deepest, darkest, remotest jungle in Papua New Guinea and could go in and observe some tribe that nobody had ever discovered and maybe they've got their own language and and nobody's ever discovered them and you're the first person to go back there and actually meet them. If you could watch their system of justice, you would find that when a man in that tribe stole something, many times they'll cut off his hand for stealing. And uh, listen, they have a moral code that they go by. They're a law unto themselves. Why? Because the same God that gave Moses the Ten Commandments is the same God that created those heathen people, the Gentiles. And in their hearts, he wrote some of that moral law. Keep reading, look at verse 15. Of these Gentiles, it says, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. You say, what does that mean? That means that every man has a conscience. Every man that's born into this world has a creator. That creator is the God of this Bible that I have on the table before me today. And that man that's born into this world is given a certain amount of light. Through creation, he knows that there's a higher power. Through creation, he knows that there is an almighty God. And through his conscience, he knows that there is a right and a wrong. And that, my friend, is the light that he's going to be judged by in the day of judgment. You say, what are you saying? I am saying that people who come up with those shallow questions about, what about the heathen who've never heard? have never considered that God, who is the judge of all the earth, shall always do right. And he's not going to judge a man based on what he doesn't know about. God is righteous and just, and he is going to judge men based on what they do know about. And the reason I know that sinful men ask these sort of questions with a kind of an arrogant sneer in their eyes and in their face is because, really, they don't care about the heathen who've never heard. Because my question to them is, well, first of all, if you believe and are worried about heathen who've never heard about Jesus, if you're really worried about them perishing, does that mean you're willing to go and tell them about the glorious riches of the gospel of Jesus Christ? No, they're not worried about the heathen. What men try to do is find an unfairness, a sin, or a flaw in Almighty God. And they feel like if they can find him to have a character flaw, an unfairness in him, then they can throw out the Bible and they can throw out their uh, moral compass And they can go ahead and sear the last bit of their conscience and go on in their sin. Because here what I'm telling you is the heathen know a whole lot more than what you could imagine. Turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 20 and let's see this actually in action. Turn to Genesis chapter 20 with me this morning. Genesis chapter 20. Now Genesis is the book of beginnings. And we're about to read about a Gentile king. This man is not a Jewish man. He's not uh, a part of the nation of Israel. In fact, the nation of Israel has not uh, has only been prophesied of at this point. Abraham is going to be the father of that nation, and he is journeying to where God told him to go. And so this is before Moses, this is before the law is written, this is before the church, this is before Jesus Christ is manifested through the virgin's womb, this is before the Bible is even written, and let's see how God deals with men, and let's see what men knew about back then. Genesis chapter 20, look at verse 1 with me. The Bible says, And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country, and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister." And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah, and God came to Abimelech in a dream by night, and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Now watch Abimelech start backing up. Listen, uh, we're going to find out that this man had a knowledge that adultery was a great sin. But who told him that? Look at it. He says, Lord, will thou slay also a righteous nation? So when he speaks of a righteous nation, that means he knows something about right and wrong. Look what he says in verse 5. Said he not unto me, she is my sister, and she, even she herself, said he is my brother? In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. Look at verse 6. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou did this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Verse 8, Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. Now listen, you know what's amazing? This Gentile nation, with no preacher, No gospel, no Bible, no church, no uh, written word of God. This Gentile nation, this Gentile king knew that adultery was a great sin and the whole country, the kingdom that he was over was afraid when they heard that God had visited him. You know, the Bible says the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. These men feared God. While we've got A nation that no longer fears God. Why? They're still trying to discuss up there in Washington, D.C. They're still trying to figure out if we ought to have a third bathroom option. Are you kidding me? What a tragic joke in the way of righteousness in this country. That Bible still says that righteousness exalteth a nation, but a third bathroom is a reproach to any people. Give me a break. Have we come so far in the wrong direction that people actually think that this is something to debate over? I'm telling you, America's in big trouble. But I tell you what, under Abimelech, before the law and before all these other things, he knew that adultery was wrong and their pe- his people were afraid when they heard that God said, I will kill you if you don't give that man his wife back. Now look at verse 9, Genesis chapter 20. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom? Uh Look at it a great sin. Abimelech was smarter than a lot of professors I know today, teaching in institutions of higher learning. Abimelech would have never gone to a movie to watch uh, adultery being glorified on the big screen. And yet our country is promoting sodomy and perversion and adultery left and right. But back in the day of Abimelech and his kingdom in Gerar, he knew that adultery was a great sin. And listen, he went and asked Abraham, he said, what are you doing? Why did you do this? Why did you bring on my kingdom a great sin? Now, here's my question. Abimelech is a heathen. He's a Gentile without the law, and yet he knew adultery was wrong. How did he know that? Because the great God that gave the Ten Commandments and the, the law to Moses wrote the law in every one of his creatures' hearts. Every one of his creation, every human being has a law written in their hearts And the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, they show the law written in their hearts and upon their conscience. And so in the day of judgment, God will have all the evidence He needs to bring out before man, and the judge of all the earth will do right. And let me tell you something. Are you listening? Men do not go to hell because they've not heard of Jesus Christ. Now, it's a tragedy if they never hear His name. But listen to me. God will do right. Men go to hell because they earn wages... For their sin. Did you get that? They earn wages for their sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And in Revelation chapter 20, the books are opened and the dead are judged out of those things written in the books according to their works. Now, a man who rejects Jesus Christ, his condemning, damning sin is unbelief. But all I'm showing you today from the Bible is the heathen know a whole lot more than what you think. And God will do right in the day of judgment, and he will judge them based upon the light that they had and what they did with that. And can I tell you that God is so gracious and loving that he knows when a man, a heathen man, is looking for more light and he'll send it to him. You know, there's been heathen that have told missionaries after they've been saved that they had been going out at night and looking up at the stars and saying, God, I know you're there, but I don't know who you are. And you know something over here uh, in America, uh, some missions conference is being held and the Holy Ghost comes in and touches some man's heart and he says, I want you to go to a certain place. And God calls a missionary to a certain place. Do you know why that is? It's because that heathen's looking for more light and God gets it to him. I'm going to tell you, God will give you all you can stand if you'll just get hungry for it, if you'll just seek for it, if you'll just look for it, if you'll respond to what God's already revealed to you. And those heathen have been revealed God has revealed Himself to them clearly, the Bible says, through creation. And God has shown them right and wrong clearly through their conscience and the law that is written in their hearts. And if they'll seek more light, God will give it to them. But you know why men do not like the light that God gives them? Jesus Christ tells us in John chapter 3, verse 19, This is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. I'm telling you, God, the judge of all the earth, will do right. And let me close by saying this this morning. It really doesn't matter, uh, ultimately, to you personally about the heathen right now. Men who use that old argument, well, what happens to the heathen who've never heard? Let me ask you a question. What's going to happen to you who have heard over and over and over again? Here in America, the light has been bright for many years. Every man that drives up and down the road passes churches and sees a steeple and sees a cross and hears a church bell knows about God. Gospel tracts that are handed out, gospel tracts that are passed around, gospel tracts that are found at gas stations and on counters and, uh, and post offices, street preachers that have banners and quote the scriptures, churches that still have programs like this. Let me ask you a question, Mr. Center Friend that has never been born again. What are you going to do with what God has shown you? America is gospel-saturated, and the story of Jesus Christ is over the radio and on the Internet. The story of Jesus Christ is still told faithfully on street corners and in prisons and jails and in some church houses around the country. So what shall you do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? You do understand you're a sinner, don't you? The Bible says, "...there is none righteous, no, not one." For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, there is no difference. You've broken God's law. You say, What have I done? Well, the Bible says, Thou shalt not commit adultery, and Jesus said, If a man looketh with lust in his heart, he's committed adultery already with that woman. The, man, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 that if a man has hatred and anger in his heart without a cause toward his brother, that he's committed murder. The Scripture says, Thou shalt not bear false witness, and yet you've deceived and you've told lies when it benefited you haven't it, haven't you you see those are the breaking of god's law and sin is the transgression of the law the bible goes on to increase and broaden that scope of sin when it says in james chapter 4 verse 17 to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin the scripture says the thought of foolishness is sin and Jesus says that the greatest commandment was this, that a man love God with all his heart, soul, and mind, and to love his neighbor as himself. That's the great commandment. And if you haven't loved God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and followed it up by loving your neighbor as yourself, then you're, you've broken the greatest commandment that was ever given in the Bible. So if you broke the greatest commandment, that would make you a great sinner. But here's what I'm here to tell you. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The Bible says God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now what have you done with Jesus which is called the Christ? Why not today bow the knee. Quit asking and worrying about the heathen in Papua New Guinea. You really don't care about them anyway, do you? No, your issue is you're afraid to meet God in judgment. And if I had lived the way you've lived, I'd be afraid to meet him too. And the truth of the matter is I was afraid to meet God because I knew that every thought, word, every intention Every, every deed was going to be brought out and God was going to judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. And so why not do what the Bible says and do what I did many, many years ago, and that's humble yourself and turn to God in repentance and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior who alone is able to wash you clean of your sins and present you faultless in the day of judgment. That Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you call on Him today? Why not now? Listen, don't delay any longer. Jesus Christ says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Will you come to him today, sinner friend? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved.